Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, I'm old enough to remember when Michael Dell blasted from obscurity with his then disruptive arrival into the computer market in the, wait for it, 1980s. At the time, he was a rock star in my mind. Dell now tops $94 billion in revenues, but it's been in a perpetual street fight on pricing for about five years with perhaps lower quality rivals to the point that sales had been holding up, but key brand consideration and health metrics were flatlining. With us today is Dell's ANZ Marketing Director. He also covers Singapore and Malaysia, Arjun Deska. Dropping in from Hyderabad and Mediacom's Sydney Head of Planning, Tim Hull. Their work to find a new customer segment prepared to pay for quality and put Dell back on the consideration list against premium rivals, one maybe represented by a widely eaten fruit, has landed them as one of 52 finalists in the Media Federation Awards for 2021. The winners will be announced in February next year, so for now, this MI3 podcast is all you've got. But back to Dell. Revenue and profitability as a result of a strategic overhaul are trending up for Dell's premium XPS range. Direct sales revenues are way, way up, and softer brand metrics like unaided awareness, premium perceptions, and relevance are for the first time since 2016 trending up again too. So what did they do? We're about to find out. So welcome, Arjun and Tim. To you first, Arjun, talk us through the challenge Dell had. What were the competitive dynamics and Dell's particular need for a step change here? It was quite a, it was quite a different approach, I think, for you. Thank you, Paul. Well, as you know, the laptop category is very cluttered. There are many brands and I'm making similar claims. Consumers are getting to stores and were mainly choosing based on price alone. We knew that if we played this game with our competition, we would inevitably erode our brand equity and compete in a race to the bottom. We had recently launched the next generation premium laptop, which had been received with global rave reviews from media and consumers alike. We knew that we had the right product We just needed a strategy to win the hearts, minds, and dollars of premium laptop consumers who understood the value of high quality design and engineering. At the time, we knew this was playing in the territory of our competitors, which had a strong hold on this part of the market, but we were confident in our product and the opportunity presented there. It's it's a it's a good point, but this this getting yourself in, in this race to the bottom that so many you know sectors uh, find in the in the price around battle, Arjun. How hard was it to try and break out of trying to compete on prices as as many brands and many competitors, uh, particularly in the tech space, do it? There's a lot of there's a lot of prices, a lot of price orientated um, uh, buyers, customers, consumers, even B two B customers. So at what point did did you did you think right we can break this price cycle? Well, when we looked at our business and I said, you know, there's there's something called the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing every day and expecting different results. And this is where we as a team got together and said, something needs to change, right? We have a great set of products um, and we don't do a good job of of promoting them on value uh, and more on price, right? So it had to change from, from that point of view to say, do we actually go and drive the value of the product in, in the eyes of the consumers and, and not play the price war uh, like we have always done? Right? And that was the inflection point for us to, to take a step back and say, 
let's take the leap of faith um, and and look at now what do consumers really value in a brand, right? Because you know all computers could be like, right? But it's it's just the it's the quality within that product which sets us apart, and that's where we went down the route and saying let's test it out, right? Let's see you know, what works. And I think with Mediacom, we always looked at what we call the test and learn approach and to see, you know, start with small things and see if it, if it sticks. And then as we built confidence around that, um, we started to see results coming in, right? And and that was our kind of our, our starting point of this journey. Arjun, is the, the nature in the Australian market, the dynamics in the Australian market, you're seeing, you've got visibility across a number of APAC um, countries. Is, is the dynamics the same, the competitive dynamics the same in Australia as other markets? And, you know, is this strategy uh, born out of uh, some learnings elsewhere or is it feeding learnings elsewhere into the region? See, the consumer is the same everywhere in the globe, right? I think the, the, the dynamics of each consumer depends on which market they are in. So, for example, we consider Australia to be a high price band market, right, where people are going after premium. Right now, that may not be the case in a lot of APAC markets. Uh, some markets in in Asia are maybe medium to low price band markets, right? But Australia is unique in a way where you know people do believe in in value and and premiumness of a product over the price, right? Um, what we did was we looked at what matters to Australians and 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 did a lot of research before we went down this path, which is what do they really care for, right? Is it you know, is it what what does the product bring? But more importantly, what does the brand do for you, right? And what does the brand stand for? And I think for each market, that is truly unique. For every market, uh, you know, some markets could be purely price, but some markets, it's the value of the brand and what do they do in terms of, you know, social causes or corporate social responsibility and, and those things. And those were the, the key, key items that we were looking for, or the key... Um, you know, point of views that we're looking for through our research to say, what do Aussies really care for, right? I mean, I can give you an example. We are a global company, but, you know, Aussies love a bit of humor. Let's put it that way, right? Uh, they like to shorten things um, in terms of, you know, McDonald's is macros, for example, right? You know, all these small, small insights help us build. And that's why, even though we look at our campaigns that we launch globally. We want to give it a flavor, which is very Aussie nature. And that's why, um, and so that people can connect with the brand more authentically than just saying our product is great. We get, I just want to you know, head off to Upper Side Creek for a moment, though. It's interesting when you talk about brand and what brand represents uh, in terms of premium or value in the Australian market. In other markets across APAC, what does brand contribute to a, um, a purchase decision consideration and so forth uh, for some of those other markets? Well, brand is equally important in every single market, right? I, I think it's, the, it's what the brand stands for which differentiates itself, right? In, in, in certain markets, it could just be, well, it's a good brand, it's dependable, and it comes at a great price, right? In some markets, it would be, I first care for the brand, is it doing the right thing? And then I'll pay a premium for it if it's required, right? So those are the nuances in each market that we have to be careful about or we have to be cognizant of when, when, we, when we define a strategy. Got it. So let's get to back to the competitive set before we sort of get into how you cracked the, uh, the executional campaign, which has certainly got the attention of uh, judges in Australia. The competitive set. So uh, if, if, if for the XBS range, 
you were trying to pitch it at what level and who was in that in that space? Well, XPS is a premium product, right? I mean, for us, typically it would be it would be any brand which is which is having a laptop uh, upwards of fifteen hundred dollars um, and upwards. So, for example, it could be a MacBook, right? It could be uh, the high upper ends of any of the HP or Lenovo products, right? Um, so, so it would be in that range, yes. Now, let's get to the executional stuff, which got the attention of the judges. Now, is did you have any idea before, at some point, of how you were going to crack this at an executional level, or is this where the MediaCom team came in? Did you have any sense of where you wanted to go, Arjun? Absolutely. I think we knew that that a change was needed with the broader business for some time. Uh, And in the lead up to 2020, Dell certainly started steering the ship into a new direction, um, you know, with our communication design and retail strategy. We knew that growth would come from online sales and a renewed focus on our premium range. At the early stages, both ourselves and Mediacom had many discussions about what this should look like. And at a high level, we recognized we needed investments more into the Dell brand awareness, profile or recognition and change our audience approach. When it came to down to how we're going to do this, we then turned to Mediacom for the recommendation as well. So, Tim, um, let's talk about that, the strategy that Arjun talks about. How did it come about on the executional side? Because it got you to this, this, this initiative called the Dell Changemakers Program. So just talk us through once you had those conversations with the Dell team and you knew where they were going to go. One, Changemakers, but two, probably how did you unpack or un- uncover this, this segment, this customer segment that was prepared to pay more? How did you find them or why did you think they were, where did you find them? Yeah. So look, um, you know, our starting point was we, we did have a bit of direction from Dell. We knew that they were changing their um, retail strategy. Um, you know, we were looking at uh, comms that was more focused on um, brand building. And um, we knew that we wanted to elevate Dell range and be more premium. So I guess where we started was the audience. You know, we, we, we knew that the premium or people buying premium laptops, was, it's not a niche segment. It was about half of um, all the revenue sold in Australia around laptops. So we knew, first of all, that there was really strong growth potential there. And then we we first looked at behaviors. So what we looked at were um, who are the people searching for premium laptops? And when we did that, we found that, and I guess it wasn't too surprising, but it was it was a younger tech-savvy audience. And we knew these were the people who were buying all our other competitor premium laptops. And so when we kind of dove a bit more deeper into that audience, we, we found a couple of things that changed the direction of our strategy and, and where we wanted to go and ultimately led us to the Changemakers program. So I, I guess where it started was when you think of premium, you usually think of you know Hermes or Louis Vuitton and they have all those traditional premium brand cues. So they'll have things like um, you know gold and silver sort of design or they'll talk about exclusivity or they'll talk about luxury. And, you know, that takes you down one path and certainly many of the premium laptops were doing elements of that, you know, whether that was buying really high impact placements um, in the airport, uh, in the way that they would show off the product design. But what we found interesting was that this audience didn't necessarily consider that premium. The way that they, uh, or premium perception was evolving to be much more focused around um, non-traditional brand cues, so things like the company's values or the purpose, um, and and people were even seeing that as probably a bit of a status when they were buying brands they knew were doing better for the environment or for the world, and and that yeah that ultimately led us to um, the direction we went down, which was you know Dell itself has 
um, its own initiatives. So we knew we had a right to play there. And we knew that the category was very focused on performance. And while that's really important for us, we knew that to elevate the brand, we wanted to actually focus more on purpose. And so, yeah, that's where we ended up going down that direction. How broad did you go? Well, talk us through what the what the, the, the Change Omega program ended up being. You went with it, ultimately you landed with it, with a program with uh, 10 Viacom CBS. Talk us through that, but how broad did you go first before you found your media media partners? Yeah, and, and that was a great question. Um, we went very broad. So we knew, one, that um, this was going to be a new direction for Dell. So first of all, we wanted to kind of talk to every publisher. We wanted to understand what ideas and, and get as many interesting and creative ideas out of our publishers. So we actually put an entire brief out to the market and that wasn't easy. I think we had to have three different tiering systems of budget so that different levels of publishers could respond to different types of briefs. But we kept the brief really open where we, we presented the big challenge that we wanted to achieve, the strategic direction that we'd aligned on. Um, and we set up a, a, a big briefing session um, sort of in the lobby downstairs because we couldn't fit everyone um, even in the agency um, uh, meeting rooms. And, and so I think it was about 150 publishers we, we briefed and, and we had um, a lot of the marketing leads fly in from um, elsewhere to come present uh, just the background of Dell, um, a lot more detail about the business. Um, we then took over and presented um, the insights that we had about our audience, um, the direction we wanted to take, the strategy, and kind of left it up to the publishers to come back with any and, and many ideas that they thought um, could solve that problem. When was this, Tim? Was this last year? Yeah, well, so this was, um, it would have been probably six months or so before we, we launched the campaign. Um, so it would have been the end of, around the end or close to t- 2019. So Right. So it was pre-COVID, so that's a good thing. It was pre-COVID. You had a bit of freedom there. Yeah, yeah. yes, true. There was no masks, no restrictions. But yeah, we, I, think, I think that definitely was something that was different than what I had done on other brands even. Um, but it, it definitely led to lots and lots of creative thinking. And I think it gave a lot of space for the publishers to come back with creative thinking. Uh, and we ultimately went with um, Viacom CBS or 10 Viacom CBS because um, they, they came to the table with a really fantastic idea um, and they were bringing executions and, and thoughts that were sort of media first and they definitely went above and beyond. And so I think in recognition of that, we, that's when we kind of awarded them kind of most of the, that sort of budget that we had allocated um, and ultimately went with them as a partner. And so what were they proposing? So let, let's talk through the, the, actual, uh, the, actual, the actual execution and the campaign here because there's a, there's, it was a content-led program, I think, right? So what we did with Viacom CBS, four parts to it. The hero piece was Dell Changemakers, and that was a content series run in partnership with the project. So we would feature stories on uh, different Australians um, and, and changes they were making in their industry or their passion. Uh, and this all culminated into um, a 60-second TVC that we also ran across their network. Um, and that was also integrated across online and across all their other assets where we were driving people to view the story and, and show that, you know, these here are these various change makers. Um, on top of that, we also had uh, a social-led campaign called um, XPS, which is the product uh, creators. And that was five episodes of... Uh, of a digital content series that we amplified across our, our social platforms and across 10 play and 10 social platforms. And each episode featured um, famous content creators who were affecting change through their work and kind of all doing it through the Dell XPS or the laptop. And then as everyone experienced, um, COVID happened. And, and I think we 
got together with 10 and, and had a brainstorm around any opportunities we could to help people, especially businesses, knowing that uh, a big portion of Dell's business is um, working with small businesses. And that's when we um, also launched uh, the business as usual when nothing is usual uh, segment, which was brought to everyone by Dell. And this was um, a co-funded 30-minute TV special that uh, aired, I guess, at the time when people were um, probably trying to understand what they should be doing. Or, and it, it provided, um, I guess, a spotlight on small businesses who were, uh, I guess, affecting change despite the pandemic. And this ran over um, across the Network 10 as well. Ajahn, what was your in, initial sense on this? Uh, on the ex- we, by the way, were you at the briefing of the 150 publishers? That's no mean feat. Or was that some of your people, uh, your regional uh, people uh, who were doing that briefing? To be honest, I was there. I did not expect this level of, of participation from all the media houses across Australia, right? I mean, day one of this, when we walked into the, the Mediacom building, you know, I was expecting maybe, you know, what, 10, 20 publishers at best, right, media houses. And and then I, I remember Colin um, from Mediacom telling me, I think we need to do a couple of sessions just because there's just too many people, right, and too many media houses. Um, and when we presented this idea to, to, to all the media houses, I think the one consistent feedback that we got was one, that we've never had a brand actually come to us with a concept like this, right? Like, you know, you get almost like a challenge, right? And saying, um, and they could clearly see the passion in Dell and we were able to translate that into into those media houses, right? So even when we went through these sessions of those, you know, channel 10 or channel seven or channel nine or, you know, Facebook or YouTube presenting to us their ideas, we could clearly see right off the bat that this was, something different we, we are creating something really different right and, and 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 that gave me the confidence that we are down the right path right and the feedback that we're getting back from all these all these publishers you know was was very encouraging right and I, I mean for dell it was definitely a, a different direction right we knew what we wanted to do um and and something uh, that that we pushed ourselves to do right now we always knew that investing in brand building communications can be daunting we were essentially investing in something that wouldn't pay back right away. And like all businesses with a bottom line, this is always a bit of leap of faith, as you would know, right? But between ourselves, we call this, uh, you know, we actually termed it the uncomfortable growth. Um, and giving it a name really helped us rally around it, right? And just not Dell, but Mediacom and Channel 10, for example, right? Because we all knew we are, we are going down, going down a journey which is not going to be easy, which is going to be uncomfortable. But I think we need that, right? We need that change, um, uh, you know, to, to make that difference in the long term. And and our analysis and insights gave us confidence in the strategy and in the partners we had selected to bring this to life, right? And, and I think um, that's the key one, right? We were using signals, um, you know, to tell us whether we are down the right path. And those signals, you know, were green, right? They were giving us um, the right level of confidence saying, you know, with Mediacom, with Channel 10, with the content, with what we have learned so far about the audience, uh, we are going down, um, you know, the right path. Arjun, just out of interest, um, you know, you talk about uncomfortable growth. Was this difficult to convince your peers and your leadership teams at Dell to do? Did they, were they comfortable uh, with the uncomfortableness of it, if you like, uh, because the strategy was strong? Or did, did was there some back and forward on on 
whether this was the right thing to do because sometimes inside organizations there's, there's 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 a bit of job to do right selling this sort of these big ideas you know there's this old adage which says you know you spend 70% of your time convincing your own bosses and 30% convincing the customer uh, maybe sometimes it is true right it wasn't easy i'll be absolutely honest right it it wasn't easy because it is uncomfortable right but i think when you share the passion and the vision right and are able to articulate what the success would look like um and also uh you know tie that up with the fact that maybe we don't have a choice right we need to change and yes it's going to hurt us in the beginning but it's going to pay dividends in the long run right and that's the whole long and the short of it well the long and short of it. i was going to get there actually i wanted to ask you because you know in the long and short of it which is obviously peter field lesbonet and, and and their work and that argument says that if if a company doesn't invest um the right mix in brand as opposed to just performance and trying to get sales that sales ultimately will taper off if you're not investing in brand you, you were you seeing any any warning signals that um, you know, sales were going to be threatened if you did not invest in brand like you did in this campaign? Well, yes and no, right? I think it, it depends on what your, what the North Star is, right? If if we are talking about, you know, just growing units or just growing shipping boxes, then we were doing okay, right? We, we were still growing, but not at the pace. I think the question is growing and growing profitably is the key one. Right. So the signals told us that we may not be able to maintain the growth profitably over a long period of time. Right. So if you had to grow, you know, we can we can keep dropping prices and still grow the the, the, the share or the units. But that's not where we wanted to go, because at some point of time we will start losing money. Right. Or or and, and more importantly, we don't get loyalty with that. Right. Uh, when when people buy a premium product, it's just not a one time buy. It's also they, they are now buying a brand and they'll keep coming back to us and tell their friends and families that it's a great product. We love it. Right. Um, and then it becomes not about price, but about about what that product really offers. And it's like, wow, I, I didn't know XPS is such a good product. Right. I You know, it's 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 you know, $1,500 or $2,000, but it's an amazing product. It lets me do everything, right? Now, we wanted to want people to buy that XPS or that Alienware gaming machine, which are truly premium, are truly amazing products um, and, and, and not necessarily, you know, the lower end of products, which are great, right? But, but at the end of the day, we want people to buy the best that Dell has to sell. Now, let's ask the hard question. Mm-hmm. It clearly worked. What happened with the results? That all this work that you've done, the strategy, the audience, the segment, uh, sorry, the customer segmentation that you worked on, the execution, what happened when you launched or when did you start to see some results that you went, okay, uh, this is not so uncomfortable anymore? To start off with, you know, when we started the, 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 the campaign, right, or the new way of, of, of driving a brand, you know, along with Mediacom on Channel 10, we actually went into pandemic, you know, pretty much in March, right? So there was a natural demand for products in the market. So it was tough to measure for a certain amount of time, whether it's really what marketing has done, you know, with along with Mediacom and Channel 10, or is this just the, the, the crazy demand for products that everybody's like, you know, running into shops or going online um, to buy a product as soon as possible, right? We really started to see the 
you know, as the as the caseload started to come down and people were out and about, we still start, we still saw the demand coming into Dell. We were still growing, you know, our sequential growth, our year-on-year growths were phenomenal, right? And when I say phenomenal, they were truly amazing. That, that must be double digit then. 100% double digit. And it gave us the confidence that something is working, right? I mean, we first said it's, oh, it's the pandemic, it's the natural organic demand in the market. And we said, well, wait a minute, you know, the pandemic is almost over in Australia, at least during that time, second half of 2020, people are out and about, right? Except for a few cities, uh, the country was pretty much open. And then we still saw the demand coming in. And we do use the tools, right? We do use our econometric models, like the media mix models. Um, You know, we look at our internal financial metrics, uh, you know, know, and we also look at indicators from just brand research to also tell us if it's working or not working, right? But when we put all that together in a mix, it just told us that it's it's definitely working and it's working better than in some cases than we had planned. And that continues. So it was not a one and done. And it was more of a consistent growth that we saw every single quarter. And we continue to see that even up to today. What's the, uh, the, the lasting, the halo effect, as they call it? So you, the campaign is still going or is it finished? You're still seeing impact. We now believe in this. As a brand, we believe that this is the right thing to do. And what we now call this is what we call business as usual, always on, right? Our brand is now always on. We are always switched on, right? I mean, um, if you look at investments just purely on brand, yeah, it has it has been dialed up uh, more so now than it was in, in the past. Like, because we would say, well, you're getting trailing effect of your brand investments. You should dial it down. Right, and I, I and I don't think we are we are at that point where we want to dial it down. We actually we are ready to go. We want to go and invest more uh, to drive the brand because we know it certainly works. We know it's it's actually giving us better ROI than when we were driving purely promotions. So we're spending more than what we did the year before, but we you know we're doing really well um, now despite spending a lot more. And our brand metrics are a lot better than what they were ever were. Can you talk to any of those uh, percentage gains, at least, if you don't want to tell me the numbers? What what do some of the numbers look like? Well, I can tell you our our brand scores are, you know, up anywhere between between five to seven points across consideration or familiarity. uh, And... And, in, and for certain brands and certain times, even to get a point of improvement uh, could take a year, right? We have been able to get this five times over just in, 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 in a period of one and a half years, right? Tim, do you want to add something to that? No, I think you're exactly right. Measuring this with the whole pandemic happening at the same time was a big challenge. And I think we just had to turn to looking at all available metrics that we had across the business. And that was econometric modeling, sales, profitability, brand metrics, all of them were pointing up in the direction that we wanted. So it did give us validation that what we were doing was working. Uh, Arjun, can I just ask though, in terms of uh, the customers uh, that were coming to the XPS range and buying it, where were they coming from? So did you did you manage to convince some of those that might be looking to bite a fruit actually decide that they're not going to bite a fruit and they're going to hop in the Dell circle? Where did it, where did it come from? Where do you think you took your took your your share? The customers came from everywhere. To be honest, right? Every because we are in this brand journey, we were what we were after were people who are not even 
well, after is a strong word, right? Like we were, we, we were trying to look at the audience, which is not in the market, right? What we call out of market audience, which is not even ready to buy or considering a laptop, let alone a brand, right? And, and what we want to do was make them aware of the product, of the brand that is there in this country, right? And say, when you think about a product, think about Dell at some point of time, right? And that was capturing the the large part of our audience, which is which is maybe 90% of our audience, which is sitting in that journey, right? In the past, we were very good at that 10% who were always looking and giving us signals that looking for a laptop or looking for a brand or looking for a cheap and cheerful laptop, right? And we, like Dell and Mediacom is really good at that, right? We can go and capture, you know, via affiliate networks or via online advertising or, or search or, or any of those, you know, tactical transactional vehicles to, to make that possible. But what, what we were doing was looking at customers who are not in the journey at all, right? And catch them early um, to tell them what a great brand we are, and then when they are really in the market to buy something, they're now actually adding Dell to their consideration mix alongside other brands. So it really is, I mean, you, it really is a, quite a switch from classic performance marketing then, isn't it, uh, Arjun, what you were doing, what you've done? Absolutely. And to your previous question, when you did ask about, you know, what are the indicators or what are the results, right? I think for me, the result is, when your business, you know, when your general manager or the country leader or the APAC lead says, marketing team, well done. Mm. I know that's, that's victory for me, right? And I know that um, when your leadership and when your business acknowledges um, what marketing is doing, which is a big risk, right? And we are seeing the results. And when, you get the, when the team gets the credit for it, we know we have won. Right, and 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 that be doing something. Right. And that happened in this case. The, the broader, the broader, the broader business said this was a marketing-led uh, and marketing-generated result success. I would say it's it's yes, marketing would lead, but I think it's a contribution from everybody, right? Because there needs to be a lot of support that comes along in this journey because it's marketing, right? It's 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 sales doing that bit as well because we can't say premium and not give them a premium experience when they actually, you know, call us or, or chat with us, right? Our online, our, our website needs to needs to tell the same story, right? Um, our supply and inventory needs to all make sense because people want something premium but want it now. So you have to make sure that within, you know, 24, 48 hours or whatever that is, that we are able to deliver a product on time. So all those things are part of a premium journey. It's just not saying we are premium and that's not enough, right? So everybody from content to production to to creative uh, to finance and sales and supply chain and and operations everybody involved in the success right so it takes a lot of planning but when the numbers are healthy you know you get people you know joining hands much faster and saying hey, well this working let's support marketing a little bit more so yes marketing would start the journey but I think everybody needs to join that 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 brand bandwagon uh, to move this forward. Well, and next time and next time you come up with something that's uh, uncomfortable, I guess they'll say, well, they did all right last time. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt and it'll be a little bit easy to, to, to deliver this, I imagine, too. That's the, that's the legacy of what you've done. Well, it's funny you say that because now I've been asked every single day saying, what's next? What more are you doing? <laughs> right? And it's like, yes. and then and you can see that 
we clearly made investments in the right places, like like gaming, for example, and maybe we can edit this later if it's required, right? But um, you know, we invested in the sponsorship with what we call Fortress, which is a which is a gaming destination in Melbourne, right? Um, I don't know if you if you've got a chance to be there, but if you do, you'll see there's 150 Alienware uh, laptops and desktops and 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 everything that we sponsor, because that's an investment that we thought was was important for us to be in the gaming community authentically and investing that kind of money in a sponsorship, which will not give us returns immediately, which will take maybe years to, to give that return. But I think it's important. So we were able to make those investments for the long term based on the success and, and say that every time we do something new, um, you know, it's working. Now, we have to be careful that we don't overcook this, right? Because... There is something called consistency. Pick up a few things that we know work and do them consistently over a period of time and add a few, add flavor to it as we go along, right? But but again, not overdo it with like, just because I have to show that I'm doing something new every quarter or every year, you know, that's not really necessary, right? We stick with the, the concept and the idea and then add flavor to it as we move along. You've kind of uh, already answered my last question in the wrap-up, uh, which is, you know, what next? Can you keep the momentum going? Um, and so we've kind of, you've hinted uh, at, at the continuation of the strategy. Uh, your expectations clearly is that more of this will keep your, uh, keep the sales and the profitability, to your point. Uh, you think this can hold? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the, the one mistake that marketeers make is moving on to the next thing too early and, and going after the next shiny object. And I think we need to calm ourselves down and hold us back and keep us honest saying, you know, don't get excited, right? Know what's working, be consistent in that, and maybe rinse and repeat if you can and where you can. Yeah, it's a great point. And Tim, your, your sort of your, your view on whether you can replicate what you've done uh, with this executional strategy with 10 Viacom CBS and what they've done there, will you be doing more of that? Or will you find other media executions that will match that? What is your thinking around the, the media aspect of this? Uh, I, I think I have to echo what Arjun said, which is I think it's smart for us if we found something that's working to continue doing it and just find ways that we can improve on it. Um, I think especially when we look at next year, um, uh, definitely we'll be thinking of new and other ideas that we can use to evolve. But um, I think we, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want to make sure that, you know, what we think is working, we keep and, and continue doing. Well, it's a great case study and uh, re- really interesting to see sort of this, you know, another contribution to the performance and long-term branding uh, discussion and debate that's going on globally. You know, this is a really interesting case of, again, underpinning the brand uh, brand investment um, side of the equation rather than just performance. And in a sector, I guess, Arjun, that um, is, you know, technology is very, very performance orientated, uh, performance marketing orientated and, you know, feeding off those signals you talked about earlier. So a really interesting conversation. Stay safe, both of you. Thanks. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.